0: Welcome back to Beneath the Cow, uh, here with Cosplay Alliance. I am here for a very special discussion. I'm here with Elemental Cosplay, Official Joy Goblin, and Sean Sharma uh, from the SAG Board of Directors and Negotiating Committee. And we're going to discuss the strike and how cosplayers can support.
1: Uh, all right. Hi, everybody. Sam uh, Elemental Cosplay, like Chris said. We're very excited to have Sean here with us. Sean has actually been doing a lot of interviews, um, and especially several with me, about just the strike issues in general, and then also how it relates to cosplay. Um, and then, Lacey, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Yeah. Hi, my name is Lacey. I go by Joy Goblin Cosplay Online. I've been um, out on the picket lines a couple of times as a fan supporter and reporter for Temple of Geek.
1: And um, that's it. (laughs) All right. So to start off, um, we kind of wanted to get from you, Sean, updates on what's happening with the union and the strikes right now.
3: Well, thank you so much for having me and hi to everybody who's watching and thanks for taking an interest in what we're doing with the strike. Um, Obviously, it's not something any union ever wants to have to put its members or the people that are adjacent to the membership that depend on it for their way of life. We never want to put our community through hardship, but there's certain points where you just have to say no when you're at the negotiating table and you're not being treated in a fair way. And the issues that are at stake now are just so existential that there's no way we can get it wrong or we can settle, especially when it comes to the replacement of entire professions with technology. So it's it's a pretty dicey time. And thank you to everybody who's been supportive and trying to be allies with what it is that we're trying to do. Um, we haven't heard a peep from the AMPTP uh, since we went out on strike on July 13th. They have now restarted negotiations with the Writers Guild. That doesn't mean that that they will come to a deal. We hope they will, but it's always possible the talks will break down again if they can't address the issues meaningfully. Um, but we're hoping that the writers get what they need and then uh, that the AMPTP will then contact us and restart con- conversations with us because they'll be in a place where they're ready to engage with us seriously about our concerns. I think they were caught off guard by the fact that we went on strike because we haven't struck in 43 years. And so, um, so yeah, that's where we stand right now is the writers guild are in there. We're still out on strike um, and we are prosecuting our strike with all of the passion that we need to, and we still have other pressure points that we can apply if we need to. Um, But yeah, we're coming up on just about a month on our strike.
1: And uh, Lacey had a pretty good question um, where she was going to ask, go, go ahead, Lacey.
2: Yeah. So I was curious, what would a normal summer look for look like for you, Sean, a summer where you're not on strike and on the picket lines?
3: Uh, thank you for asking. A normal summer for me is the same as many other performers where we're just engaged in auditioning, shooting projects when we're you know uh, able to book them. You know, doing what we would ordinarily do to keep our skills strong and to, you know, build our networks and you know support our friends in the community, et cetera. Personally, I've been fortunate since 2018 to have a home on a TV show. Um, it's an entirely independent and actually crowdfunded television show. So uh it was one of the earliest uh projects to get approved for what's called an interim agreement, which is for companies or productions that are not associated with the big networks and studios if they're truly independently funded, uh, then they can apply for an interim agreement that will essentially allow them to continue production. Um, It's just that they have to agree to basically all the terms that the AMPTP, uh, you know, left on the table on July 12th when we were on our last day of negotiations with them, and agree to things that we had withdrawn and that the AMPTP rejected. At the table. So, the interim agreement is the best terms our members could possibly work under because even when we finally get a deal, we will likely have to negotiate and some of those things will change in the final deal and we won't be able to keep everything as it is in the interim agreement. So, we hope as many of our members get to work under those terms because that's the kind of stuff that we're fighting for um, and that people deserve. And uh, so I have been insulated a little bit by the consequences of all of this because I have a a job. I'm on a show and we've got four more years left. And and so I've been able to have stability. And that stability has allowed me to volunteer more where I can volunteer to be on the negotiating committee and be part of other committees and movements. So uh, while I have the privilege of being on a show, I've been investing that into volunteering for the community.
1: Awesome. And so... I think there's a lot of people, including cosplayers, even though we're super fans, who still don't fully comprehend exactly what the strike is about. Like, I know that we are, um, a lot of it has to do with AI, and a lot of it has to do with, even before AI, studios already not paying writers back. So I have a mutual friend, uh, incredibly a talented individual, She is struggling right now because of, you know, the studios not negotiating. And an example from her life would be that she's seen a lot of contracts lately where she's not being hired for something unless she agrees that the studio can use her likeness with AI in sequels without paying her to do the sequels. Um, And I think that it's details like that, that people aren't understanding and they're not really grasping that this is the kind of thing that's happening. Um, So do you have any more like maybe specific examples like that?
3: Yeah. And I don't know if it was just me, but you froze just at the beginning when you're talking about the writers not getting it. Can you just repeat that first sentence you said? And then I got the rest of it.
1: Um, So that, you know, I was talking about uh, our friend Rainbow and her contracts and what it has to do with sequels um, and that the studios were already not paying writers and most of their actors what they're worth. And I think a lot of people just aren't understanding that all the specifics of You know, examples of things, because we we talk about AI as this general thing, and we think it's in the future, but there's actually a lot of things happening with it right now. And a lot of writers and actors right now are not being compensated fairly because of AI currently, not just in the future.
3: Yeah, thank you for restating that. The, The AI issue is just so existential of a threat that it's gotten a lot of attention, as it should. But it's certainly not the only issue that we're striking over because we have 170,000 members. We have so many different member categories affected by this contract. And every one of those member categories deserves to get taken care of by their union because you only get a chance to negotiate this contract every three years. So that means stunt performers, singers, dancers, background performers, voice actors, principal performers, etc., like everybody needs to be taken care of by this negotiation. And so there are major issues that apply to every category that they would be wanting us to strike over. Um, And so the AI one just happens to apply to everybody. And so it's a pretty massive situation. And then the residuals and especially this revenue share is also a really big one because the business model has changed and our contract is so old. It doesn't really reflect the way people consume their media today. And we're getting, Cut out of those revenue streams. But the very idea that employers think it's acceptable or that they're trying to sneak language into your contract to essentially hire you once and then never have to hire you again while putting your face and your likeness and your voice in other projects is out of a nightmare. It's literally out of a dystopian, sci fi, can't be real nightmare. And it's here. It is confronting us and it's confronting. There, there are professions that will just not be able to survive the A.I. era that and, and I'll give you an example. One way our voice actors have been able to make a living has been what's called voice matching, where you will shoot a whole project and the lead actor is just not available to come into the studio and do, you know, re-recordings of dialogue or change changes of dialogue or whatever. So you actually hire a voice actor whose voice sounds a lot like that lead performer. And they come in and they do that voice work, and you never know. You never knew it was another actor. You, it sounded so much like the original performer, it fooled you. And who's to you know? Nobody can tell me, for example, as an actor, that I have to let another actor re-record my dialogue for my movie. Like I have you know rights when it comes to that. So what's becoming available is they can make a voice clone of myself and use my own voice clone. To do what a voice matching actor used to do and so as long as i'm compensated for that i might be okay with that so that's unfortunate because some people made a living doing voice matching work and that's you know every performer has a right to say no i want my own voice clone to be used not another performer so uh so yeah that's the fact that we're in the negotiation fighting against being replaced by ourselves (laughs) essentially our digital selves is It's crazy. It really is. And to know that every time we put a deal across the table with language that we know protects us, they rewrite it and put it across the table with massive loopholes in it that make us feel really unsafe. So we can't really accept a deal until we feel safe.
1: And it's not that the studios aren't making enough money on the projects to pay everyone fairly. Someone is getting that money, and it's not the people putting forth the art that we love, which is kind of the main issue, right? Um, Lacey has been really good at trying to really get out there consistently that this isn't a celebrity issue, um, because you still see a lot of that talk that, you know, celebrities have enough money. Why do they need even more money? Um, Well, on one hand, the same could be said of executives, Uh, but also Most of the people in the unions who are striking are not celebrities. They're not millionaires. They're not rich. They're trying to pay their rent and support their family. Um, And so Lacey, do you want to talk a little bit about that, the information that you've been gathering?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've only made it out to the picket lines a couple of times recently. Yesterday, I was in Culver at um, Amazon and there's always, you know, a set of A-listers because it, you know, they are popular, well spoken, great at representing things. But there's always um quite a variety of folks who are background actors. I mean, I have friends who are background actors who already fight so hard to survive um that having that potentially be completely removed as as a part of an occupation would be extremely, uh, it would ruin them. And um, not to fully tangent, but the um, the question or protest that comes up is, well, they should just get different jobs. Retraining thousands and tens of thousands of people into other jobs is not a sustainable or realistic solution, especially when the asks for a share of compensation for being the workers who make the art when the pool of revenue is so enormous is just a very um, lopsided perspective. But um, honestly, what I'm seeing is the first thing that comes to mind on the picket lines is they are really a a really fun community has developed around it. Um, Folks make and trade friendship bracelets. People have been customizing their signs. When I was out there yesterday, I was making a point to um, capture photos of people's different signs. Um, and you'll see other unions coming out too. Yesterday was uh, PGA, the Producers Guild uh, Solidarity Day. So there were quite a few PGA shirts. There was a check intent for the Writers Guild, a check intent for uh, SAG AFTRA. And I actually recorded a video with one of the strike captains, who's a, an uh, actor living in LA, doing a little how to of, you know, if you want to join the picket line what do you do? Where do you go? Because SAG-AFTRA has a great website that details where it is and the hours and all the parking, which is really cool. (laughs) Being asked to go somewhere in LA if you're not from here or not from a big city and not knowing what the parking situation is typically is a deal breaker. So uh, (laughs) whoever has done the research and put those together, like, thank you for providing that for people. So um, it's a very strong energy of community and there are so many unions and new forming unions there's stand with productions i think just got their iatsi uh approval and then there's um production assistants are working on unionizing as well and then you'll have folks from completely unrelated unions and i'm not talking like craft services or makeup artists i'm talking about like the hotel workers will come and join because there are so many labor i don't want to say labor disputes there are so many different threads in the tapestry of the labor movement right now. Um, But yeah, most of the people who are out there, they're not recognizable. They are background actors. They are trying to make a living. And they really are that core working class American who's just trying to do their job and can't make it because at the top of the pyramid of a corporate structure, you have a slightly outsized compensation situation.
3: Um, yeah. One thing to bear in mind about the quote unquote celebrities is that they don't really need our union contracts because they work for way above the minimum terms that our contracts are designed for. So the reason we have a union contract is to establish a floor. It just says you can't pay us any less than this. You can't treat us any worse than this. But there's no ceiling. Anybody can negotiate for a fancy trailer, better residuals, back end points, much more salary, whatever it is. If you can get better terms, go for it. But they can't pay you less. So most of the people that people think of when they're like, oh, these spoiled actors wanting more, they're not even utilizing the union contract. They're not the ones that the union is designed to protect. The union is designed to protect all of the ones who are trying to succeed and just work a middle class life or a working class life in this industry and 87% of our members earn less than $26,470 a year which is how much you need to earn to qualify for the health plan and then another 6% earn between 26470 and 80 grand so it's really 7% of the actor community total that makes more than $80,000 a year the vast majority of our performers are making you know Less than $26,470. And so that's something's really out of whack when so few of our members can survive when the, the studios are making about $30 billion in profits a year. And they're doing it because they've changed the business model that allows them to take all of this ad revenue or take all of this subscription revenue and not pay us a portion of that revenue. Whereas if it was on TV, we would get paid residuals when our shows are doing our are, are rebroadcast, or if the show's doing well and you can have access to those r- ratings, you know, Oh, we can negotiate for more because our shows really popular and the networks can afford to pay you more because they're getting more ad dollars. But when these streaming platforms refuse to share their data with us, we actually don't know how well our programs are doing. And especially if they're subscription based, they'll like do a 10, 10 episode order, eight episode order, of a show just to try to get new subscribers, and then they'll cancel the show and then launch a new show to try to get more subscribers and a new show to get more subscribers. So they're just kind of pander to different types of audiences to get more subscriptions while we have short-term employment that doesn't pay very well and that's replacing employment that used to pay well and that was more sustainable. So it's kind of been death by a thousand cuts for the vast majority of our performers And then the pandemic made it worse because now even the costs of casting have been put on the performers because we have to record and tape ourselves in our homes, putting our friends and family to work for free and work for free as well. So we're now absorbing what casting used to do and those expenses. And so, you know, everywhere you look, we're just being diminished and our ability to make a living is being diminished. And we finally said enough is enough. I have
2: a comment to add on to what Sean just said. When he's saying, you know, 40,000, 50,000, 70,000. That's not a lot in a city like Los Angeles. And you need to be able, as an actor, to live close to the studios. Burbank, Hollywood Studio City, NoHo, West Hollywood, those are not cheap cities to live in. So while the median income for another part of the country or a less populous region, that might sound like a lot in Los Angeles County, it's very much not. I actually have a question about the. Uh, qualification for health insurance, Sean, um, economically, why is it lower? Why not offer to a lower threshold? And 27000 is nothing. That's poverty. But yeah. that question comes up. So I was curious. I haven't been able to really find an answer.
3: Yeah. So the way our health plan was established back in 1960, as well as the pension plan for people who earn a retirement income from a pension, um, the it's an employer-provided plan. Which means our dues don't fund it. What what who funds it is our employers. And so they pay a percentage on top of our earnings that goes directly to the plan. So for every dollar that I earn as an actor on a show, they also have to put 20 cents towards the pension and health plan. And so it and it's split between the the after retirement fund, the SAG AFTRA or the SAG Pension Plan, and then the SAG after Health Fund. So it goes to three different you know, organizations. The only thing we as the union can control is how much money flows into those plans. So we can negotiate a higher percentage, so they have to give 21 cents or 22 cents on every dollar. Um, We can also negotiate higher contribution caps, what's called the contribution ceiling, which means that, for example, if you shoot a half hour TV series, then even if you're getting paid a million dollars an episode like the Big Bang Theory, the employers only need to pay that 20 cents on the first $15,000 of your salary. So that's about three grand. So even though you're getting a million dollars, they're only putting three grand towards the health and pension plan, because it's capped. The amount of your earnings that they have to pay those contributions on is capped. Those ceilings have not been raised since 1983. So in like 40 years, we haven't seen it rise. And what that means is that with with inflation, with costs going up, with all that stuff, The health plan has to try to do more with less money coming in. And so it's meant that they've had to get, you know, they've had to raise the amount of money you need to earn to qualify because they just can't afford to cover everybody. It means they've had to tell us that our spouses need to take their own health plan if one's available to them, even if it's worse. It means that they've removed senior citizens who earned lifetime coverage from being loyal union members for 20 years or whatever, that they lost that benefit. Um, They eliminated the health insurance tier that you only needed to earn like 18 grand to qualify for health insurance, and they boosted it up to 25 and now 26,000. And so it is a direct result of us not negotiating for enough money to go into those plans over the past 40 years. So that's why another one of our top priorities for this negotiation cycle is to increase those contribution ceilings, hopefully adjusted for inflation, so that not only will we have the ability... To sustain the plan as it is and not have to make it even worse, but we can hopefully make it more accessible for more of our members because the plan, the plan is run by a board of trustees that is made up of, of half from the studios and networks and half that we see as the union, but it's a separate company. So they basically look at how much money is coming in and what can they do with it. And if they have a surplus, they can make the plan better. If they don't have a surplus, they have to make it worse so that it doesn't lose as much money
2: thank you for that breakdown i really appreciate it i just checked the um inflation calculator we were uh one dollar uh to one to three dollars it's three 300 percent inflation since 1983 and the employer funded uh insurance plans are in case you're not familiar as unfortunately familiar <laughs> with insurance plans as some of us have to be that's a really common model it's a little different when you're working with a union and employers they're contracted with but employer funded health plans are the primary way most Americans get health insurance.
0: Mm-hmm. If
2: you don't know that, now you do.
0: Which, which is a shame. Like It, it really, it really be is. We
2: could really. Look, if we're going full lefty on this, we could talk about <laughs> universal health care. But I think we can all agree right. it's unfortunate.
1: And OK, so one of, and one of the issues that has come out of even super fans not understanding all these details every time we do something like this, I learn something new. I did not know that that's how low the cap was uh, for employer contributions to the health plan. Um, And all of this is so important, and not just for Hollywood, but for everybody. Um, These strikes are very visible, and so it brings visibility to unions in general. And I think if studios are able to get away with what they've been doing, other corporations will try to follow that model with their own unions. And it's not just something that affects Hollywood. This is going to affect us nationwide. Um, And I know you've talked about that a a little bit before, Sean, did you have anything to add to that?
3: I think this moment, what's really, uh, what we're seeing is the fact that since we happen to do the kind of work that people recognize us. You know, there's the celebrity culture, the fan culture, where if you're lucky to be on a show that does well, then people get to know you. They get to have, you know, these impressions of you. Like, I'm not some big celebrity or name, but I'm on a show that's one of the most watched shows in the world right now. And when people recognize me or when people come up and talk to me who've seen the show, they already have this warm feeling about me where I'm like, that's so cool that a stranger thinks so positively of me, even though we've never met before. And so if I were to say something, it's like they it gets more attention because I have people like people have an interest in what it is that I say. And so we happen to have some of the most recognizable influential members that if we say something, it gets attention, whereas if like a smaller union of different you know, crafts or whatever may not get the same attention. So us saying this is not okay, it's speaking for all labor. It's not just labor and entertainment. It's speaking for everybody who's at risk of replacement or everybody who's facing this kind of culture of sociopathy that we have in corporate America, which is that it doesn't matter what happens to everybody else. They only care about the share price and they care about the CEO executive compensation that who boost up the share price. And so everybody else is expendable. They don't seem to care about salting the ground that they grew from that makes it hard for those to be sustainable. And so uh, we've got a sick culture and every labor community that is being exploited by a disproportionate kind of corporate greed um, kind of is standing in solidarity with us in this moment.
1: And I, th- being fans who, you know, Chris, Lacey, and I are – doing this because we're super fans of a lot of the work that a lot of the union members do. And what are some of the things that we as fans can do to support the strikes the most?
3: Well, obviously, even just doing something like this, that gives us a platform and access to your communities to share information and answer questions and address things is so huge, you know, like, so so hats off to you for, you know, for doing this, for giving us a chance to be heard. Um, so that one way is just amplifying those messages and those voices, which I know, Sam, you've been awesome about, about making sure that, you know, people are directing their attention where it really should be directed right now, which is at those that are going through hardship as a result of not being treated fairly, especially if they're responsible for some of the products that we all love and want to celebrate and all of that. And so part of how we can stand for ourselves is by, you know, these big companies that are, are not treating us fairly and that are not negotiating with us in good faith is to say, okay, you own all of these products, you own all of this intellectual property. um, You don't get to benefit from those right now and you can't make new great stuff that people would enjoy with us because we won't help you do that. So that's what a strike is about. A strike is about drying up their ability to make product without us. And to not promote the product that they already have without us, because the product they already have becomes much more valuable when they can't make new product. So part of why our strike rules are not only saying you can't work for any struck company under any kind of struck contract jurisdiction, you also can't promote any past work or current work because that stuff becomes much more valuable when they can't make new stuff. So everybody who's out there doing cosplay in particular, I can only imagine how like disruptive and frustrating it might feel that these things that you love so much that you know the union is saying please don't promote stuff that gives it more value and visibility when they're trying to make money off of our performances but not pay us appropriately. And so I think that uh, th- that I'm sure your community is kind of the most vulnerable to a, a decision like that or a request like that because of how it, it it it's you participating in the celebration of work that we've done in many cases. And so we don't get to do that and we don't want to do that as union members during the strike. Hopefully the strike won't last very long. But I think one of the ways that the community can really help is just to understand and have compassion for what it is we're going through and why we're Personally not doing that. Now the union can't control what non-union members do, you know, like so for anybody who loves to do cosplay who's not part of SAG After or whatever, um, then it's like, you know, we don't have any control over what you do. And if you never want to join the union, there's no way that our strike rules would ever negatively impact you. Um, but one thing you could do to stand in solidarity with us is to use whatever platforms you have to kind of amplify the messages and whatever extent we can to Um, to put pressure on the AMPTP companies and and, and is is do that. And one of those things is some people in the community, I'm sure, have influential status or influencer status, right, where you actually do get brand deals or that you are being approached by struck companies being like, "Will you promote this or that or whatever. And the union has taken a stance that if anybody does any kind of marketing brand deal um, as an influencer, that that would undermine our strike and that they would be barred from being able to join our union in the future. If they ever had any ambitions of becoming an actor or being part of the union in the future. So, but again, none of it is meant to be like combative. It's just, this is the only tool we have at this point is to try to, you know, not, we're trying to deny those that are not negotiating with us in good faith, the value that we bring to their companies.
1: Yeah. And I think you're not asking us to not be fans, obviously, we love what you do and you want us to keep loving what you do. Um, it's just about this type of very visual promotion makes the strike last longer. And studios want that because they want the strike to go on so long that as we have all famously heard now um, that they're waiting for, you know, actors and writers to become homeless and then agree to anything. Mm-hmm. Um And It's not about retribution. It's not about being angry. It's not about revenge. It's about actually getting this over with as soon as possible and making them come to the negotiating table.
3: Yeah, if they can continue to get value out of their products, then it prolongs the strike. And what we want is to cut that spigot off immediately so that there's more pressure on them to come back to the table. And, you know, one idea that I had was, especially for a community that loves to celebrate great work, um in such an artistic and fun way there are contracts that are not struck like within our union uh, you know video games are not struck the interactive media agreement is not a struck contract so anybody who loves to cosplay stuff from video games by all means now is the time to focus on the work that is not struck and celebrate the employers that do treat us fairly so anything that is done under a uh, you know, uh, under, under the commercials contract or anything that is done under the interactive media agreement or audiobooks or podcasts or, you know, like uh, micro budget, short projects, student film agreements. Although I doubt there's many of those projects that have the visibility that people are cosplaying like a short film that somebody made or, you know, or a student film that somebody made. But maybe it's an opportunity to give more visibility to projects that don't ordinarily get it during this time. I don't know. That's up for your community to decide. But I'm just saying that there's still a lot of things to celebrate with your art form that uh, aren't struck.
1: Right. And um, Lacey, I thought you said something uh, maybe at SDCC when you were doing your interviews at the panels that had, that was directly related to that.
2: Yeah. So uh, at SECC, I'm a contributor at Temple of Geek, which is a pop culture website, and I was able to go to the AI and entertainment press junket. I wasn't able to make it to the panel the following day. I tried, but a 1030 a.m. panel at the far end of where you're staying. Challenging, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would essentially asked, and I have a full video of this on my Instagram, my TikTok, Temple of Geek has it, and I've pulled clips out of it as well so more people can see it. I'd essentially asked the panel, which included Duncan Crabtree Ireland and Zeke Alton, who are both members of the negotiating committee, uh, as well as Duncan is the national executive director. Essentially, fans want to support, and at that point, there was very little to no guidance for influencers or cosplayers because the strike had only begun a week ago. And obviously there is a list of high priority things, you know, pulling everybody off of productions and promotional press tours, etc. But all the cosplayers were who wanted to support were very confused about what that meant for us. So essentially the question was, is it OK to cosplay a struck character? The, answer, the short answer to that is, yeah, if you're not in a union, you can really do whatever you want we would appreciate you working support into your cosplays, whatever they are. Uh, and I actually was wearing SAG-AFTRA strong ribbons that I had made. I made like 20 of them with like a stencil and spray paint the week before. Cause I wanted to be clear, like whatever I'm wearing, I'm fully supportive of this movement and the strikes for, for both guilds and any other ones that you know support or join. Um, and then the, the nuances come in when it was, a, it was about a five-minute long video, all told, because I had a follow-up. Sorry, my camera keeps trying to refocus because I'm talking with my hands. But delineating some of the nuances between pure hobbyists, influencers, however you define that, because it is not the most well-defined, and people who are in art union. And SAG-AFTRA does have an influencer agreement. So if you are a union influencer, the rules are pretty clear. And I really liked, Sean, the way you were describing the strike and turning off the spigot To extracting value from that work because I think what gets lost in the shuffle sometimes is that this is about withholding labor not just the acting and the writing but anything that is promotional and while I think a lot of us are really happy to participate historically speaking in fan events red carpet studios etc you know those invitations go out and you know, people really weren't sure, should I accept this? Should I go? Can I go and not post about it? I really don't know what the right thing is. And online, particularly on Instagram and TikTok, um, it's a, it's a, it's a call out culture and can get a little dicey if someone perceives you to be doing the wrong thing. So people were very concerned that they wanted to be making it clear they were supportive, but, um, Essentially, if you want to, I really would love it if uh, you're listening or watching this. Um, you can go on my Instagram or TikTok and view that video and the clips as well as on Temple of Geek. They're both there. The full videos on YouTube. It's very easy to find. But there was a point that Zeke made, which was essentially we do what we do as actors and storytellers for you who love the stories. So don't let this stop you, you know, work this into things show your support um and obviously the, con- the conversation has continued especially as new big films like barbie and this week uh blue beetle have come out invitations have come out the ahsoka premiere is coming up and so there's kind of a spectrum of you know what people think is acceptable and helpful the framework i've been thinking of is that that withheld labor lens and thinking about well studios already use or you could argue exploit fans at these events by using them for additional promotion and hype. And from that perspective, I don't typically get invited to these things, but my my personal take is, well, I want to support the strike and I think it's useful to simply not accept the invitation or say, why? And there's going to be varying philosophies on that. Um, And what I want to make sure I'm highlighting is that if you're not in the union, my understanding is, look, you can do what you like and you can. But I would say if you have a problem with as a cosplayer, if you see someone doing something that you disagree with, it's probably not the most effective strategy to, you know, get really upset and call them out because there are more effective things you can do with your time, like finding messages to relay and promote donating money or supplies to a picket line going for 30 minutes to a picket line even they're so stoked when you roll up and especially stoked when you roll up as a fan the reactions I get when I tell people yeah I'm not even in the union like I just support the movement and I'm a fan they're like wow and I'm not doing it for that reaction but it was just it's just surprising and impressive to me I'm like oh good like thank you I'm allowed to be here I'm here to support you um, so yeah, I did, I did get some great information and really lovely words from Zeke about cosplaying, and it's not generally speaking about us, but I think it's helpful to think of it in the framework of how do we help turn off that spigot of extracting value.
3: Sam yeah. said something great right before where Sam was like yeah and if if i get it wrong sam then correct me but sam was like if you do want like if you're not part of the union and you you decide to post stuff that you know of struck characters or whatever maybe you could use your platform to draw attention to what we're doing and try to help the union so in your captions or descriptions or other things you're driving people to resources that will help support the strike like the entertainment community fund or the sag after foundation where people are getting financial support to help survive through this time so just we just were looking for allies and we're hoping people will be allies in this moment that's all nobody has like in the union certainly isn't trying to be militant with people that we will you know that we celebrate that celebrate our work we just we just want help
1: yeah and I think that's important to note is that it it's not the unions telling us what to do it it's telling us what we can do to support you it's and it's not it's not an angry, don't do this. Um, and it's not, it's not something that like the union's going to come after you, like someone from the union's going to comment on your Instagram post and call you names or something. Um, that that's not what this is about. This is about a, a culture of supporting work that is important and issues that are important. Um, and so, near the beginning of all this when the strike first started there was a lot of um calling out a lot of people were spreading misinformation and then other people who genuinely wanted to support the unions were getting really confused um and like Lacey was saying is that all that does is detract from the actual message when you have like multiple groups of cosplayers fighting each other online that's just taking up airwaves that could be used to actually talk about the actual issues. Um, and then what comes out of that is when this fighting and bullying happens, then you have people who think that those words are coming from the union itself and then upset with the union, which is yep. not who Super we should detrimental. be. Up- right. Who, that's not who we should be upset with right now. We're all frustrated right now, but we need to remember who's responsible for this frustration. It's not other cosplayers, it's not the unions, it's not anyone who works on productions, it's it, AMTP, AMPTP, the, the studios that make it up, and they're executives. Um, and the money that SAG and WGA are asking for is like a drop in the bucket to what they have. It wouldn't even put a dent in anything. Um, personally, I just see this all as like a huge power move. And we just don't it's just we don't want our community to feed into that. And um, it it is a hard line. It's complex, though. The issues are really complex.
3: Well, sorry, I just was going to say on that. So well put is that it seems like the record has been and I hope we can change this in the future. Our union can decide we want to operate differently. But we've only struck. Uh, twice before in this contract. Once was in 1980 and the other one was 1960. And in 1960, that's when TV came along. And we had to strike to get residuals when our movies were played on television. So it was like a new technology. And instead of just doing the right thing, they made us strike to get paid for our work being exhibited in a new way. Same thing happened in 1980 when home delivery became an option with VHS and things like that, where Instead of just doing the right thing and taking care of us for showing our work in a new way, we had to strike to get them to pay us for VHS and home delivery stuff. And here we are in 2023 where streaming has become the majority way people consume content this year. And we have to strike in order for them to take care of us, even though it's not our fault and the work we do is the same. But just because they're showing it in a new way, instead of doing the right thing, we have to strike to get them to take care of us in that way. So there seems to be this pattern where these these companies like to make us pay a price to participate when our work is shown in a new way.
1: Chris, was there something that I, when we talked before was there something that you were saying that you're seeing a lot of cosplayers like ask or talk about right now?
0: Well, I think a lot of people, like I said, still confused. What what thing? I think some. I know some cosplayers are actually in SAG after, so I, I kind of get a lot of information from them, but. In the beginning, when everything you know first started right before sdcc uh, I, I myself didn't know what to do. And I was reaching out to friends I had in SAG after, and I'm like, what what can I do if what can I not cosplay? And I knew I wanted to do something, but using my cosplay. Uh and I chose kind of to go, you said video games, but I went the comic route, uh cosplay a comic character. And I used a thought bubble actually. So the thing that I did was uh created. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, you read that. there you yeah. go. So created the thought bubble, and what I what I found out is there was a lot of allies at SDCC. Whether it was cosplayers, I actually ran into some writers, um, and actually got a chance to stand and saw they with them, and. Really, they were also nice and all so helpful. And actually, one of them gave me their sign because they couldn't come the next day. So the next day, I actually used their sign uh, actually in protest and gave it to them the following day. So I mean, it's for me. I've just been trying to when I get good information, solid information, share it uh, on my Instagram, on my TikTok. And thus far, I haven't had anyone act, come to me with questions uh i think they're all deflected to other people who are actually more involved um but i do have a i do have a question so let's say i'm i am a producer for an indie project and it's a fan film but it's dealing in the universe of a struck struck company uh is can you still get uh an agreement interim agreement with SAC for something like that?
3: Um, that's actually a really specific question that I don't have the answer to. And so I would need to get back to you and get the answer to that. Because my first instinct from hearing something like that is since it's an independent production, you could apply for interim agree- an interim agreement, but because the subject matter would be promoting struck work, it's like, well, or, you know, how do I, how do we, it, so it seems like that's something that even our attorneys would need to be like, <laughs> like figure out where yeah. that lands. You know, because part of what and part of what I was thinking about is, you know, I I, it's regrettable that not only your community, but other communities were really caught by surprise and also like unclear what to do when the union went on strike, including a lot of our members about what the strike rules are, et cetera. Uh, You know, can I do auditions? Can I do this or that? What do we mean by interviews, et cetera? And so. We I don't I don't know you know better than me when the cosplay community really started or when it really became a thing But the last time we struck in 1980, I would bet it wasn't anything like what it is today So it's not like we've have historical expertise on how to handle this type of participation when we strike and there's a lot of situations where just things are so different today We didn't know on day one how to address a lot of this and we needed to kind of sit down and say okay what do the people in the leadership of the union, the attorneys and the, those that, you know, are making these decisions, like they're just trying to do their best to figure out what works for what we're trying to do and what doesn't. Um, and so, yeah, I would need to get an answer for you on that particular, you know, question. I and say, again, this is I... something
1: you didn't have to deal with in 1980, right? How many fan films were existed in the ecosystem of entertainment? But now that, you know, it's... Technology has made it easier to do stuff like that. There, It's yet just one more thing that you haven't had to deal with before. Chris, were you going to say something?
0: Oh, yeah. I was going to say, so, so I am actually working with an animation company, indie animation company. So we have filed for actually interim agreement to work on a project because it involves a couple of members that are inside.
1: And when it comes to this stuff, so like you talked about video games and Chris brought up comics. A lot of us just aren't privy to the business structure of these mega conglomerates. And so a lot of people have been, and honestly, I get confused about it all the time. Um, You know, well, if we cosplay from a video game and it's only from that video game, but Marvel owns the IP. And that's different contracts with SAG, but are different people getting money from that?
3: Well, so I'll give you an example of what's kind of a conundrum for the way our union works is because we have such a big union with so many different types of work, including people who are broadcasters who are delivering news and entertainment and things like that. There are certain circumstances where even a company that we're striking over here, we still have to work for over here or can work for over here. I mean i asked the question in our meeting the other day like the commercials contract is not struck so if i got an audition for netflix to pr- promote to promote you know netflix as a commercial could i do that and they're like technically you could nothing's stopping you know whether you want to do it is up to your own kind of you know judgment but it's totally allowable for you to do a commercial in in this even when we're striking if even if it's of a struck company I mean that's not a real example and i'm not auditioning for anything for netflix that i don't have any plans to but my point is you know like it's weird how you could actually work for some of the companies that were fighting in in other ways so uh so yeah for in that particular circumstance if the contract that you are going to be working under is not struck it doesn't matter who is behind it who's the parent company who whatever if that particular way of working is not struck then you are within your rights to do it.
1: And a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, but sometimes you have to do like 10 levels of research to actually find out what the parent company is. Um, and I'm studios weren't structured this way like the last time you guys, last time SAG was on strike, were they?
3: We're not really striking against Hollywood or against, right. you know, AMPTP executives. We're really, we're really, you know, at uh, Striking Wall Street. We're really striking the investment community. We're really in, you know, fighting these big investment firms like BlackRock and others that own pieces of all of these studios and all of these agencies and all of these, I mean, we're in a completely new weird place where it's actually the shareholders that were, are responsible because they reward this kind of behavior with their investment dollars or they demand this kind of behavior with their investment dollars and actually the ceos are not going to listen to us ultimately the ceos are going to listen to their investors who decide whether they have a job or not how or how many hundreds of millions of dollars in bonus compensation they earn so we still do have some you know uh some options to increase the pressure on the shareholders including calling for a consumer boycott where we say you know what we haven't done that this far But at a certain point, we could say, you know what, don't go see their movies and cancel your subscriptions. As long as they don't treat us fairly, don't consume their content and now cut them off at the knees there. Not only are we not going to create content or promote your old content, we're going to encourage actively with our voice people disengaging from your products and services entirely. And then we'll see how the shareholders respond at that point. So you're absolutely right. We're not dealing with human beings anymore. It's almost like we're dealing with profit algorithms.
1: Man, this is <laughs> this is, this is like a dystopian nightmare. This is where it all starts. Um,
0: I, I like the fact though that there are layers to this, and that there are other steps that you can take, you know, so that they can feel it more and more as as, as time goes on. Okay, you guys don't want to negotiate. Fine, we'll, we'll unsubscribe. We'll not watch the content. So I like that you 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 have more cards in your hand to play.
3: Yeah, some people might ask, well, why didn't you just do that right up the gate? Why didn't you just... Because we also don't want to nuke our employers. We would rather give them an opportunity to like do something right. (laughs) Will you please do the right thing? But if they make us, they're going to have the most influential faces on the planet, recognizable internationally, saying, you know, these companies don't deserve your money. Don't give it to them. And
1: And that's important, is that anyone right now who's decided upon themselves to vocalize a boycott needs to understand that we don't know all the complex, all the complexities of this. And so it's important to listen to the union. If the union's not calling for it, us doing it could actually be counterproductive and detrimental.
2: Right. And this isn't a new series of strategic steps. Sean you were talking about the 1960s and the 1980s strikes like labor as a movement has been going for 150 years and the way unions have operated it has maintained pretty a pretty consistent uh, it's it's been fairly consistent as has the way the capitalists have continued to operate like people were very shocked and outraged rightly that NBC Universal allegedly, the tree that had cut off all the shade from the trees, torn up the sidewalks, allegedly the city's investigating. But if you're familiar with the labor movement, that's union breaking 101, that's strike breaking 101. Yeah. Take away the opportunity for a picket line to even form. So if you have the chance as a listener and someone who wants to support learning about strikes, unions and the labor movement, I cannot highly recommend it enough. Um, over on TikTok, High Voltage Magazine made a whole Strike 101 playlist that is still getting new episodes. They're bite-sized. They're really concise. And they, they talk about the specifics of, you know, the asks in, in this particular strike. What are residuals? There's, I think, six videos up right now. They're super great. And um, you should watch them.
3: I'm so glad you brought that up, Lacey, because, you know, you mentioned before how there's these, you know, positive cultures on the picket lines and people are doing creative things to uplift each other. And it's heartwarming when allies show up and they support or other unions show up. But just because we're doing things to maintain our morale and to support each other doesn't mean it's acceptable that companies think it's okay to treat us so poorly that we go to such extreme lengths as like hurting ourselves, really saying like, I'm going to lose out on this income. I'm going to, it's going to put hardship on my family, on my friends, on people who I care about that also work in the industry, but I just can't continue to work for you under these conditions. It's almost like the whole idea of strikes and unions is almost like euphemized the kind of terrible aspect of this, which is a cry for help against your employer. Like you really have no other option. It's like, you won't hear me until I stop serving you. And it's gonna hurt me, not these big corporations. They're they're gonna be fine. All these executives and whatever, they're not losing their jobs, they're not under any threat. Their stock price goes down a little bit, it goes up a little. it's up, it's like they have access to cheap capital. We as union members don't. We can't just go to Wall Street and say give us a billion dollars or whatever to play with. So, you know, as much as we need to do these things to support and uplift each other. It's really really messed up that we have to do something like this to just get these big corporations making massive profits to take care of the people responsible for those profits like it's really rage inducing and not okay if you really want to think about it but instead we're going to spend our time being productive and taking care of each other but man is it not okay
2: yeah yeah keeping up morale on in any protest um but particularly on a picket line where nobody wants to have to strike uh, is really important. And it's one of the reasons I make a point to try to encourage people to go out and why I put together a video yesterday of like, hey, here's how to do it, because giving someone a step by step is is always going to be helpful. So it is really unfortunate that it has to be done, but it has to be done because the people whose labor generates that extreme high value product aren't getting anywhere near a fair share of that revenue. All
1: right. We've been talking for about an hour. And so I wanted to do a few things really quick before we end. Can you define a few things for us so it's coming directly from you? What does scab mean?
3: (laughs) I know it's such a gross term, but it's also such a gross thing to do. I mean, really what a scab means is somebody who accepts uh, work under struck contracts to take a job away from the union or for the union members and undermine their strike. So an example of a scab would be, even though we're saying don't make movies with these companies, a scab would be somebody that chooses to do it. And if it's a union member, they could be, they'll definitely get, you know, charged with some kind of disciplinary consequences that could include being expelled from the union and never allowed to rejoin. But if it's a non-union person that does choose to take a job with a struck company, we've said even a non-member who decides to work in one of the struck spaces with one of our employers that we're striking, we will never let you into the union if you do that to us, if you undermine us by doing that. But you know anything that violates our strike rules is also kind of the same thing because it's work to go do promotional things. It's work to go shoot a film. It's work to audition for things. So any work you're doing that undermines our strike, that violates our strike rules is technically scabbing. So you should make sure you look at what the strike rules are and you look at, you know, uh, you, you, you just take that into account whenever you post something, do something, whatever, because we're also not trying to like attack anybody, but you know, anybody who makes the hardship last longer, it's like not okay. So, uh, so yeah, just know what the strike rules are and don't violate them if you're a member. And if you're a non-union you know, person who's hoping to join the union. If you scab, you will not be admitted to the union.
1: And I I think a lot of people just learned this word, this term from all of this, and we're really excited to use it. Mm -hmm. Um, But scabbing is not things like posting a video of you sewing. And it happens to be a costume from a struck company. And you talk about, the strike with it, that's not scabbing. And I think a lot of people want to, the word is being thrown around so much on social media that I think it is losing its importance. Um, And that it's, you know, it's taking work away from people who are on strike basically. And we are in a
3: culture. Well, sorry, I was just going to say, we, we are in a culture where people are very quick to try to i'm sure in a lot of cases do the right thing call people off for doing the wrong thing and so there's this like there can be like this massive energy put towards someone who didn't even know they did something wrong that they don't really deserve to be you know attacked in that way or or spoken to that way and it could have really detrimental effects on them and their self-esteem or their their you know whatever um and so that's why education is so important and why people should try to help others do the right thing as opposed to looking for excuses to to you know, tear someone down or feel self-righteous about holding someone accountable for something. It's like we're all figuring this out as we go. Let's try our best to just bring everybody in line as opposed to trying to find reasons to cause more negativity out there.
1: Yeah. And a- according to the unions, what is an influencer?
3: Well, in our union, I don't know about the other unions, but in our union, we have an influencer agreement that defines it as somebody who actually has a bona fide brand deal with some advertiser. So, if you're actually being paid by a advertiser uh, or an or a company to to create and post content on your channel and or their channel, that's what would qualify you as an influencer in our union. So. Um, so that's the technical definition is someone who has enough following that they are actually being engaged by brands to do advertising.
1: And I think that was, uh, we've talked about this before, but I th- confusion came out about that because there were influencer guidelines and, you know, outside of this union definition, we don't really know what that means. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's not about the number of followers you have. It's not about just having an online presence like the influencer guidelines are for very specific things and that was another thing people were a little confused about Um, and uh, oh man there was one more now I, I can't remember Lacey do you remember what we talked about before?
3: Oh, you're muted, Lacey.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: Listen. <laughs> Listen. Okay. Off the top of my head, Sam, I don't recall, but I do have a couple other questions that I, I wanted to ask Sean if you need a minute to think. Okay. okay. Um, someone was actually curious, other than what's outlined on the website, not related to the strike, but if you want to join SAG-AFTRA, get experience to join, what do you, what's the best way to go about it?
3: Oh gosh, there's so many ways. Um, I mean, the most traditional way people join is obviously booking a union project and then you become eligible or we let you join through something called the E-Verify if it's really low budget, where you do enough low budget SAG after projects and you can join that way. Um, So a lot of people join by creating content and utilizing our union contracts. And so that allows people to join. So especially if you're making fan films or whatever it is, if you're making content and utilizing our contracts, we have uh, many paths to membership for that, that don't even involve booking some big TV show or big movie, even some small projects will let you join the union. Cool.
2: Um, And then I wanted to ask how, you all have been keeping up morale and energy on the picket lines, aside from obviously the most high impact of items, the friendship bracelet?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's it's very invigorating just to see bodies out there. I mean, as soon as you show up to a location and you see that there are people there, it makes you feel like, great, other people care too. And so just density, just having people willing to put their bodies in front of these companies and you know, protest is, keeps morale up, just the turnout itself. I mean, anybody who was at Universal when we had 5,000 people, you know, mob the street right there, it was electric. And it made you feel like, wow, we are really part of something. We're really doing something like people care. And so it makes you feel like you're part of something and part of a community when, when people show up. So that's one way, but also just being really tender with each other, like seeing people help each other, seeing people look out for each other. Um, assisting each other, that also goes a long way. When you see people do something kind for someone else, it makes you feel restored in your faith and humanity a little bit. So um, I think that's something that keeps morale up. But then other people are finding other creative ways, whether it's, you know, they're trying to do certain themed, you know, pickets, or they're doing dances on the picket lines, or um, or they're finding a lot of camaraderie in, uh, you know, being with our Writers Guild, you know, union siblings. And so seeing that, you know, Sometimes we, you might be intimidated by a writer, especially if you're in TV and they're like, it's their episode and you're auditioning for their episode and whatever. And here they are marching right alongside you on the sidewalks and they seem so cool and you, you've had this thing in common. And so, part of what we've seen happen over the last three months is how close many of our members have become with Writers Guild members because we've been out there on the picket lines with them since day one. So, all of those things, you know, cross union solidarity, you know, just a turnout, being kind. All of those things make a big difference.
1: The writers have been on strike for so long at this <sighs> point. 104, 105 days. Yeah. Um, I can imagine that when SAG officially started striking. Um, I mean, there are a lot of SAG members who were going to WGA pickets already. But I can imagine when SAG started striking, it helped renewed their their morale, their vigor a little bit. Um like they weren't in this alone. Uh, have you seen anything like that?
3: Oh, of course. I mean, we're, yep. we're in very close touch with leadership of the WGA. And I have friends that are on the WGA negotiating committee. And so we've been in close contact. And when we went out on strike, the enthusiasm and excitement was just massive because they're like, if the, if the you writers know, go on strike, that's 11,000 bodies on the streets or something like that sag after goes on strike. That's 170,000 bodies on the streets. It's like a mass. It's like mass reinforcements to their thing, and so uh, and it also meant that the Writers Guild wouldn't be alone in advocating at this moment. So us being on strike empowers them, and them being on strike empowers us. And that's actually why the Writers Guild said when they met with the AMPTP a week ago that they're actually can you know potentially looking at adding one of. A new demand to their negotiations Which is that even if they make A deal with the AMPTP they want the right To be able to honor our picket lines So if we continue to stay out on strike They can still refuse to work for A company that's that we're striking And if there's a picket line of ours which is So super cool and it it shows That we've had their back since the Beginning now they're having our back And so um, so yeah it, it, it was a huge Boost to the writers guild and you know, the the comments that we're all familiar with about waiting until the writers guild busts, waiting until they lose their apartments, all of that, like those stories were before sag After went on strike. It was, it was targeted at the writers, and the timeline for that deal getting done was going to be October, November, something like that. Well, it's, it's August, and they're back in the room negotiating, and I'm not saying SAG-AFTRA is responsible for that. But it might play a part in the fact that the AMPTP saw that they can't just starve out the writers because now they've got to starve out the actors. And if they want to declare a war on the entire actor and performer community, it's not going to bode well for them. So that might have inspired them to accelerate their timeline with the Writers Guild.
2: I love to hear that uh, the Writers Guild uh, had added that because that's really rare in in labor agreements and in contracting. That's really cool. That's awesome.
0: Can I can I just have one thing? So there was a stat that was mentioned earlier that 87% of sag after make less than $26,000. And you did mention the entertainment community fund, but could you reiterate how people can help support financially struggling union members doing the strike?
3: Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, listen, anything that you can give helps. No pressure, obviously, anybody, only those that are in a position to support. Um, But if you can, the Entertainment Community Fund uh, is one place where you can seek financial assistance if you're struggling as a member of the entertainment industry. And then the SAG-AFTRA Foundation in particular supports SAG-AFTRA members. So, you know, actors, performers, things like that. So, you know, wherever you want to donate, Uh, it's just great if you can. But the other aspect of that that I want to highlight is that I want anybody who needs help to ask for it. Don't be too proud or don't think, oh, you know, I don't really need it as bad. Somebody else probably needs it more than me. These funds were set up to help you. So please ask for it if you need it. Like if it can help uh, alleviate some of your suffering or hardship at this time, take it, like utilize it. it. I don't know about you, but I actually like it when I try to help other people and they accept the help. Right, I actually, yeah. it, it means a lot to me when I offered assistance and, and it's gratifying to know I actually helped someone. So it doesn't do any good to have given all this money to the these funds and then performers be too proud to accept the help. It's like complete the circuit, allow yourself to be helped. Uh, I
2: have a question about the ECF. Do you have to have a specific uh, tenure? Do you have to have been in the union for a specific amount of time to be able to benefit from those funds?
3: That's a great question. I don't actually know the answer to that. On like how long you have you have to be a member, or if you even have to be a member of which unions. It's it, So I would need to do more research on the qualifying aspects of that. Okay. But I'm sure it's got to be on their website or something. I just haven't had cause to look on Probably it. Probably. I, I, yeah. I, I, I donated to it, but I didn't really like, investigate the qualifying thresholds or whatever.
1: All right. Chris, do you have anything else you wanted us to talk about?
3: I don't.
0: I just want to thank everyone for participating. I think this was very helpful.
1: Yep. Yeah. Lacey, Thanks was there me. anything we missed? Do we Do we feel we have successfully
2: delineated... whether whether cosplaying is (laughs) scabbing that's the the only thing because it keeps coming up but i feel like we pretty comprehensively covered things um yeah it's
3: pretty weird if anybody has any questions they can always email sag after strike at sagafter.org and our staff will get back to you as soon as they can. They get like hundreds of messages a day, as you can imagine, but they, they do respond to everybody. So if anybody still is unclear, you know, by all means, and then, you know, you can always reach out to me or somebody who's on the negotiating committee. You know, like Zeke is one of my friends and, you know, and uh, he's been such an amazing you know, heroic guy on the negotiating committee, especially when it comes to AI, like if you know somebody reach out and and we can help move it along, but we don't want anybody to be confused. Um, And also we don't want people to be unnecessarily scared, just like read the strike order, please help us as allies, if you can Um, amplify our messages so we can bring a swift end to this strike. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to, again, just to thank all of you for having me on with the opportunity to share the information.
1: Well, thank you for talking with us for so long today. Thank you so much again. It's I, you have been a great person to do these interviews with, and I just wanted to say that we really, really appreciate it.
3: Thank you, yeah. Sam. Thanks
2: yeah. for the invitation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to our editor at Temple of Geek because we don't we haven't really been doing much with the podcast recently, and I'd love to do an episode and have have you on, Sean.
3: Oh, that's sweet. Whatever I can do to support and get information out there.
2: Yeah. I just want to keep having information come out like with from SAG, not just, you know, people theorizing or discussing on our own, because I I really think it's helpful.
3: And I'm going to get the answer, Lacey, to your question about what qualifies you to get, you know, support from the ECF. And then also, Chris, I'll get the answer about that fan film question that you had.
0: Thank
2: you. Awesome. Thanks, Sean.
3: All right. all right thank
0: you and uh, for everyone the beyond the cow podcast is available on all major podcast
2: platforms